and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. This week, we have another super amazing guest for you, Christine Hassler. Christine is the best-selling author of three books. Most recently, Expectation Hangover, Free Yourself from Your Past, Change Your Present, and Get What You Really Want. She left her successful job as a Hollywood agent to pursue a life she could be passionate about. For over a decade as a keynote speaker, retreat facilitator, spiritual psychologist and life coach and host of the top rated podcast over it and on with it she has been teaching and inspiring people all over the world christine believes once we get out of our own way we can show up to make the meaningful impact we are here to make christine loves living a healthy lifestyle and is obsessed with human optimization Christine has appeared as an expert on the Today Show, CNN, ABC, CBS, Fox and so much more. Speaking about generation diversity, millennials, life balance and expectation hangover, a phenomenon she identified and trademarked. She is also a frequent contributor to Huffington Post and Cosmo. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, I'm super excited this week. We have another amazing woman for you, Christine Hassler. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited because Christine and I have already connected uh, for the summit, so I'm sure our listeners are going to absolutely love you. So let's get started. We always love to ask our woman of inspiration her unique story. So what inspired you to do what you do today? Oh my gosh, so much. Um, I'll tell the short version. Basically, I left a very successful job in Hollywood to pursue something I could be way, way, way more passionate about. But when I left my job, I didn't know what that would be. And the whole reason I had a successful career in Hollywood is because growing up, I was desperately insecure and always felt like I needed to do, to do something to prove myself. And I always felt like I didn't belong. I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. I always felt like everybody else had way more confidence than I did. And so I just went into becoming an extreme, extreme, extreme overachiever and thought that maybe I could achieve some kind of worth and value from just accomplishing things and being successful. But I learned at a very young age that even getting to a very high place in my career and making money and hanging out with celebrities, like it didn't fill the void that I had inside of myself. So when I left that job to go discover who I really was, 
Um, it was not an overnight process. Life kind of got worse before it got better. I ended up being broken up with by my fiance. I was estranged from my family for a while. I went into more debt. My health was really, really suffering. I had been battling depression since I was 11 years old and it was just getting worse. And everything kind of came crashing down around me. And that's when I had a turning point in the way I was looking at things. I was really looking at things as both I was a victim, like life just didn't work out for me, and I was a failure, that I, I failed at everything that I did. And I was able to shift my perspective and go, well, you know, maybe this isn't all happening to me, maybe it's happening for me. And that question opened the door to personal development. And I started really getting into personal growth books and I hired a life coach and I started to learn about how our thoughts create our reality. I started to learn how events from our past really impact our presence. I started to learn how suppressing so many of my emotions and my authentic self-expression for so long in my life was really dramatically impacting my life and my health and my well-being. And I got so, so, so excited about the changes that I was feeling inside of me. Not, not I hadn't really figured out the career and relationship and money stuff yet, but I was actually starting to feel different inside. And I was seeing that, oh, wow, like it doesn't take the outside things to change the inside. It's actually reversed. You, you shift the inside and your outside world starts to change. And from that point, I just got so inspired to help other people. And I wrote my first book in 2005 and then became a coach and then a spiritual psychologist and then a speaker and then a retreat facilitator and then a podcast host and, and on and on and on. Wow. And and uh, I've got a question for you. I'm listening to you and going, I'm curious uh, to find out, Christine, how did you change your perspective? What was that pivot point for you? Well, I think that, you know, it's a great question, but I really don't think for humans that it's one thing, especially if you've had a lifetime of looking at life in one way. You know, I had a lifetime of being really hard on myself, a lifetime of being an overachiever, a lifetime of being depressed. And so the pivot point was really just the choice that maybe I could change. And I think that that's the most important pivot point that any of us can ever make is to go, you know what? Maybe I'm not a victim of my circumstances. Maybe I'm not a victim of my life. Maybe I do have the power to heal or shift any of my circumstances. I may not know how right now. I may not be able to do it overnight, but I can do it. You know, like my my depression is a great example. I was medicated at 11. I was put on Prozac, which is an antidepressant. Now, I didn't come off antidepressants successfully until I was 30. It was about at age 25, 26 that I had the thought, you know, maybe I can shift this. Maybe I can heal from depression and come off medication. And it took a good three or four years to be able to do that and to do it successfully and to do it in a way that was still medically sound. Uh, but it was that perspective shift that really was the pivot point. Mm, I love that. So it reminds me of, um, and I can't remember who uh, wrote about it, but Nelson Mandela, the the uh, inquiry was uh, when he was put in jail, he was like, I will never get out of here. I will never get out of here. And just the fact that he asked the question, what if I was able to get out of here, mm-hmm. that he actually changed his perspective. Perspective, which is what you're saying. You had a bit of a deep inquiry by maybe I can, which helped you move forward into what you're doing today, correct? Exactly. Exactly. Wow. 
Now, I'm also um, wanting to unpack the book. You've got Expectation Hangover. Free yourself from your past, change your present, and get what you really want. Talk us through the book for our listeners. Um, yeah, talk. Can you ask me like a specific question? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so maybe what, what is an expectation hangover? Because we all have expectations. I think we're, it's almost a default position. We have expectations on how we should be treated, expectations mm-hmm. on how things should show up for us. Yes. Well, Expectation Hangover is not a book on managing your expectations. Expectation Hangover is about actually leveraging what an expectation hangover is. So let me define what an expectation hangover is first. So it's basically disappointment and it's when one of three things happen. Either things don't go according to plan, like you spend a year preparing for a launch or launching a new product or planning some kind of event and it just flops. It doesn't go like you thought you would at all. Or you do reach a desired goal, a result. You get that promotion. You get into that relationship. You lose those 20 pounds or I can't convert it to kilos this quickly, but you lose the weight and you still don't feel the confidence or the fulfillment or the love that you thought you were going to feel. That's another kind of expectation hangover. Third kind is life just throws you an unexpected curveball. You get laid off, you get diagnosed with an illness, you get broken up with, someone you know dies, things like that. And so the thing about these expectation hangovers is we just want to get over them, just like a hangover from alcohol. We want it to be over, we have a feeling maybe of regret, remorse, sadness, but we just want the pain to end. And with a hangover from alcohol, Give it a day and some greasy food and some aspirin and you start to feel a little better. But with an expectation hangover, they sometimes, they, they often, most often last a lot longer and they're harder to quote unquote cure. So the way people deal with expectation hangovers is they, they just try to numb it. So they'll overeat, overdrink, overwork, just distract themselves or numb themselves in some way. Or they're, they're, they'll spiritual bypass it. They'll be like, you know what? you know, everything happens for a reason. It's okay. It's okay. And they'll just not really look at how they're truly feeling or they'll just kind of positive affirmation their way through it. Or they'll just be strong and shove their emotions like under the table and just like be strong and plow through. And what I really teach in the book is that any expectation hangover is an opportunity for you to heal because most disappointment, most curveballs, most things not going according to plan, most feelings, not most things, not making us feel the way we want them to make us feel. It isn't the first time that's ever happened. Most expectation hangovers are triggering something from our past. And the fact that it's happening now is giving us an opportunity to heal it. It's giving us an opportunity, not only to look at the expectations we've created, because most expectations we create in life are created from a place of pain or lack the expectations and pressure we put on ourselves to be perfect, the expectations we put on other people, the expectations we put on our goals to make us feel a certain way, they're created from a place of of lack, of from not having something that we want and expecting something in the future to give us that desired result. So an expectation hangover reminds us that, one, being attached to any kind of result 
never is going to turn out well because we're putting all our, our happiness in the hands of some future goal. And two, the disappointment itself gives us that opportunity, like I was saying, to go back and maybe look at some things from our past that we never healed. Because what I have found with disappointment is usually people have the same kind of disappointment over and over and over again. You know, people that have like abandonment issues in their past have the same kind of disappointment of people leaving them, people not showing up for them, people not being a stand for them, no one coming to their party, those kinds of things. People that have like self-worth issues, you know, they were told they weren't good enough in their past or their parents struggle with money. They tend to struggle with money. They have debt. They get taken advantage of those kinds of things. And so this book gives you the opportunity to take a current upset, take a current expectation hangover that's happening in your life and use it to go back and heal actually what has created so much of the disappointment in your life so that you don't have to keep having the same disappointment over and over and over again. Thank you for explaining that. And Christine, I think that I'm sure our listeners are also wondering, because I do, we have lots of women, and I do know that there's lots of uh, encounters and conversations I've had with women that have uh, had amazing relationships. And I actually just had this conversation yesterday, amazing relationships, and all of a sudden it just ended, whether they were married or not married or they lived together. Uh, and then it's it's 18 months down the track and they still have not freed themselves from the past. So I hear what you're saying that it could be uh, something from, you know, a past trauma, maybe a t- mm-hmm. abandonment or whatever that may be. But how does one free themselves from their past? Well, that's what the whole book is about. Right. Like truly, it, it, it really is about you know, going back. So the book is divided into four pieces, emotional, mental, behavioral, and spiritual. And so first we look at what are the emotions that have gotten stuck in your body? Because emotion is energy in motion. So emotion is vibrational. So if you're still carrying around shame, sadness, guilt, anger, all those kinds of things, you're still, you're going to attract things in your life that are on the vibration of that emotion. So like a lot of people, that have like repressed anger attract angry people into their life. Um, a lot of people that have carried around a lot of sadness that they haven't really processed tend to attract events in their life that, that trigger that sadness. And I, I don't want anyone to hear this and say, you know, it's your fault and you're doing something wrong. What I do want you to hear is, oh, wow, like I have the power to change my circumstances by change, by healing basically unresolved things that I'm just carrying around. And, you know, this is a big thing for people, especially women with weight. You know, so many women can't lose physical weight because they're carrying around emotional baggage. They're carrying around old hurts, old memories, old things, old resentments, um, that, that is like the emotional weight. Emotion is energy. So the book really takes you through how to release your emotions without having to relive all your trauma, how to really change your thoughts and reprogram your brain. And I, and I help you do that by understanding why you're thinking the way you're thinking. It's way easier to shift something about yourself if you understand why you do it. It's so much easier to change something if you really understand and normalize why and have great compassion for yourself for why you do it. And then we look at behavior change. I basically teach you how to shift your unconscious programming 
so that you can change your behavior because so much of our behavior, about 90, 95% of our behavior is unconsciously driven. It's just, it's just habitual. It's just programmed. So I teach you how to actually shift your behavior so that you can react to things differently. And then the final piece is the spiritual piece. And this doesn't have anything to do with religion. This has to do with getting spiritual perspective on your life and really looking at your life as not a victim, looking at your life like a seeker. And looking at, all right, what are the unique soul lessons that I've chosen to learn in this lifetime? And how can I see that everything I went through, even the most painful things, even getting abused, was actually something my soul chose so that I could learn forgiveness in this lifetime. I could learn compassion in this lifetime. I could learn that I can be free no matter what anybody has done to me. So that's kind of an overview, but it's, it's like I said, it's a process. Like we all can be free of our past. I put up a post on Instagram. I love Instagram. I put up a post yesterday that said your past has everything and nothing to do with your present. And what I mean by that is has everything to do with your present in terms of, you know, your past has, has shaped you. It's taught you life lessons. It's informed your decisions. It's made it clear what you want and what you don't want. Um, but it has nothing to do with your presence in the sense of defining you, you know, in terms of dictating what's possible for your future, in terms of defining how you need to feel in this moment. So we want to use our past as leverage and as lessons, and we can use our past to inspire us, but our past does not have to define us or hold us back. Mm. So Christine, I'm, I'm, and I'm asking this one for myself, I know that self-worth comes up quite a fair bit for me, yet I can't really go back in time and actually find the root cause of the self-worth. And it's one of those things that I see a lot in women, especially they're people pleasers uh, yep. and they always leave themselves last. So mm -hmm. what would be a piece of advice that you would like to give to someone who is either a people pleaser or lacks in self-worth? Well, I could probably help you identify what the self-worth causes if you, if you want. I'm oh, happy for it. Yep. Okay. So like a lot of times these things don't have to be big dramatic events. It could be one time where you were shining really bright and someone told you to be quiet. It could have been something you learned from your parents. Like if you saw like your mother had low self-worth. Um, or didn't feel like she had much of a purpose, that could be it. So it could be either something that you saw or just like one little thing that was said to you. Does anything come to mind? Mm. I mean, yeah, I can see that in my mother. My mother is such a beautiful woman. But yeah, I, I can see that definitely self-worth probably resonates with my mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as a little girl, what kind of beliefs or conclusions do you think you made from watching your mother ar around self-worth? about like what one has to do to be loved or to be valuable. Oh, to just completely selfless and do everything mm -hmm. for her family. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that was your model, right? Yep. So your model growing up is if I'm not selfless, if I'm not putting everybody else first, then I'm wrong. Yep. You know, that that's the way to be. Right. So even though consciously you may know, like consciously I'm sure you know that, you know, it's, it's that old metaphor, put the oxygen mask on yourself first mm. and you're so much more able to help others. But it's that unconscious programming that, no, 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 like this is the way I need to do it. And because you love your mother and you have a close relationship with her, often the parent we identify with most and we feel closest to, we model the most. And even on an unconscious level, we feel like we're betraying them if we do something different. 
we feel like we're breaking the generational tie. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That yeah. just uh, one big etheric slap right there. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So for you, it's like, I love you, mom, and I'm giving this way of being back to you. I'm still your daughter. I love you. This is not break the love. And I'm giving this pattern back to you. And I am giving myself the freedom to choose a different way. Because the thing about people pleasing, and hopefully this will be another gentle love slap, is that it's very selfish. So many people pleasers think people pleasing is selfless, Mm. but it's selfish in the sense of as a people pleaser, the person you're really protecting is yourself. You don't want to make anybody mad. You don't want to deal with conflict. You don't want to deal with other people's upset. You want to look good. And so people pleasers have, um, you know, a very self-protective thing, right? So yes, it's selfless in that you're putting yourself last and that builds resentment, but it's also selfish because at the end of the day, the person you're protecting most is yourself. So what I encourage all people pleasers to be is to really, instead of focus on people pleasing, focus on truth and love, truth and love, speaking the truth with love to people. And instead of being a people pleaser, be a people connector. Be someone that wants to have honest relationships with truth and love because the people-pleasing road is a road toward resentment. I've talked to so many people-pleasers that have been people-pleasers, you know, for decades, you know, women in their 60s who just are full of resentment because they've always put themselves last. So hopefully for those people-pleasers listening, this is a day where you choose to stop being the people pleaser and maybe the switch in perspective of really realizing, oh my gosh, people pleasing actually is selfish, will maybe take some of the shininess off of it so you can take more of an honest look at it. Mm, that reminds me of two other guests we've had on the show. So we had Anita Mojani that said something quite similar, that it's selfish mm. because you're actually, by giving uh, from an energy point of view, so she would say by giving out your energy all the time, you're actually depleting yours. And then from um, uh, a way to fill yourself up again, like your batteries up again, she said, is by being around people that have got a high high or high vibration or lots of energy. And then you you naturally unconsciously take from them because you need to fill up your battery. Yeah. And then there was another lady that said something similar similar to what you're saying about being selfish, um, which I relate to, for example, I'm a mother, I have a son, and I go uh, above and beyond to to make him happy without even asking him if he wants me to do it for him. I just presume he likes what I do, but I've never asked him. So that's very selfish in that respect as well. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So thank you for that. So, Christine, you've had an amazing, uh, adventurous journey. What has been a greatest lesson that you have learned along your journey? Oh, that life is a series of lessons. It is, isn't it? <laughs> that we're always that we're always learning. That we and we never and we never stop growing. And you know, I have my master's degree in spiritual psychology from a place called the University of Santa Monica. And one of my favorite expressions that they use or teachings is how you relate to the issue is the issue. I'll repeat that. How you relate to the issue is the issue. So there's what happens and then there's what we make it mean. And that's been my biggest lesson is that I do not have control over my life. Like I'm a recovering overachiever, a control freak, like Virgo. I, I, I love control in my life. 
But I realize over time that that limits me, that the universe always has a far better plan than anything I could have ever come up with. I've learned to be more of a co-creator and I've learned that the one thing that I do have choice, or we could even use the word control, but I like to use the word choice about is how I respond to things. I don't have complete control, but I do have dominion and choice over how I respond to things. So Christine, how do you then surrender? If you're saying that how you relate to the issue issue is the issue, so I understand it, it's how you respond and react to uh, everything around you. How do you actually surrender, let go of control and um, have faith that the universe has your back? Honestly, I think surrender is one of the hardest things to teach in words. I I feel it has to be something one experiences and usually one doesn't surrender until you really say to the universe, okay, I'm scared to death, but I'm going to surrender. When you go through something that's like really challenging and you don't default to your normal, normal coping techniques. You know, like I went through a series of just random health things. I was having just weird pains all through my body. I know now it was because my body was finally releasing. I've done so much emotional and, and and spiritual and physical kind of clearing work. I've processed so much and my body was finally releasing it kind of on a cellular physical level. So it, I was having all kinds of weird health things. And my normal go-to would be to run to, you know, run to health specialists and doctors and try to figure it out, need to know what it was. But I was, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to surrender. Like I'm really gonna surrender to like trusting spirit on this one. Now, if I had like, you know, if I was passing out or blacking out or bleeding internally or anything like that, I would have ran to the hospital. But I trusted my intuition that, you know, if this was something really serious that I needed to go and deal with, I would go. And so instead of freaking out and try to control it, I really surrendered to the process. Another example is getting kicked out of my dream home a year ago and going, oh my gosh, like, why my landlord didn't renew my lease. I only lived there a year. I moved from LA to San Diego to be there. It was right on the ocean. It was beautiful. And she's like, I'm not renewing your lease. She accused me of all kinds of things that weren't true. And I went, oh my gosh, what's going on now? My ego wanted to control. It wanted to go find a new place to maybe see if I could get a lawyer to stay there longer. But I went, you know what? The universe must be up to something. I'm going to surrender and really listen and, you know, put my things in storage and just was like surrendering and in the unknown and in uncertainty, you know, in order to really surrender, we have to be willing to be in uncertainty and not control everything and be in the discomfort. That's what prevents most people from surrendering. They don't want to be uncomfortable, but with any leap of faith, there's a free fall. So that's how we do it. We just don't do our normal control, react from fear place. We let ourselves be in the uncertainty. We let our intuition lead. We let the emotions come up without trying to control them or fix them. And we really, really trust that the universe has a better plan. And the timing on that, we can't be attached to because sometimes the universe responds quickly. Sometimes it takes a little more time. Mm. So you basically got your ego out the way and that's how you surrender. For them, basically, yeah. Mm. So throw, ditch the uh, ego over the shoulder. Exactly. I, I love that. So when you're talking about time, and I love this, when we talk about we 
often talk about manifestation. And when you were saying that sometimes the universe uh, delivers quickly and sometimes not, do you think that we've got anything to do with the speed of what comes our way? I think we do. I think we do. I think there is a divine timing, but I think our free will can impact things. Um, Because from the universe perspective, there is no time. Yeah. The only time from the universe perspective is now. So that I think that it, it, we can impact things by our, our resistance, by how long we hold on to pains from our past, resentments. I, things like, I think things like fear, resentments, holding on to unforgivenesses, blames, um, either, either of others of our, or of ourselves, those are the biggest things that slow us down. Mm, okay, I gotcha. So that's they're, they're blocks that we hang on to, and we're not allowing that flow. Exactly, exactly. And we're in a vibrational. You know, if we're in a place where it's it's kind of like that old adage: if you if you want to get a bunch of new clothes, you've got to clean out your closet. You know, otherwise everything is hard to fit anything new in there. And if you want more love in your life, but you're holding on to feelings about exes, your, your self-love is in the tank, you're blaming yourself for things, you're still mad at your father for what happened when you were a kid, like that's going to take up energetic real estate and you're going to hold more of the vibration of love is painful and um, you're going to hold more of um, a negative vibration toward love. And as soon as you let all that stuff go and set yourself and others free through forgiveness, then you open up to way more love and you literally shift your vibration. So you're in a better vibrational frequency to attract love. Mm, I love that analogy. Uh, For me, I'm a visual person. So when you started talking about wardrobe and getting new clothes, (laughs) that's exactly what my wardrobe's like now. It is packed. And I've been saying for the last, I reckon, two months, oh, I need to clean that out. So, um, yeah, I resonate with that one. So the other question we love to ask our women of inspiration is about pain points. We believe everyone uh, experiences a pain point, uh, either in business or life. What would be a pain point that crops up for you and what is your solution to your pain point? Hmm. I think that for me, often a pain point is when that inner critic comes up and tells me, I didn't do it right, or I didn't do it well, or I didn't, I'm not doing enough. That's a big thing. I'm not doing enough. And so I've learned that I've got to give my inner critic a new job description and make her more of an inner coach. Because if you criticize the inner critic, that's just adding more criticism. (laughs) You know, if my inner critic pops up and I'm like, oh my gosh, there I am criticizing myself. I hate my inner critic. Then that's just more criticism. So I really looked at it as like, how can I be more of a coach to myself? How can I acknowledge myself more? And when I feel like I've messed up or made a mistake or something like, or, or quote unquote, not done enough, then I'll just ask, all right, what can I learn? You know, what can I learn from this? And next time, what do I want to implement? What do I want to do even more of? I don't say, what do I want to do better? How do I not want to mess up? I say, what do I want to do even more? Because I find that when I'm in that place of criticizing myself, or feeling like I'm not doing enough, I'm in a very contracting energy. So I become more critical of others. You know, it's interesting, like those of you that are in a relationship, I'm sure you can relate to this. If you're feeling really great about yourself and your life, your spouse or partner, they can do no wrong. But when you're in a funky place and you're being hard on yourself, it's like everything they do drives you crazy. So when we, for me, when I I notice when I shift that inner critic inside myself, 
I'm just way more me. I'm way more loving. I'm way more open. I'm way more expansive. And everything in my life flows better from my business to my health to my relationship. That's so true. And I love how you work with your inner critic. You turn your inner critic, give your inner critic a job and turn your inner critic into your inner coach. I absolutely love that. Mm. That's awesome. Very different to what I've done, that's for sure. And the, <laughs> now you've worked with lots of individuals, individuals, entrepreneurs and, and, and businesses, and we do have a lot of listeners that, listeners that are entrepreneurs and businesses. And we always love to find out from uh, our woman of inspiration, what do you think is a reason that most businesses fail to succeed? Well, I think that most businesses fail to succeed because, one, a lot of people don't ask for help enough. And there are so many businesses that have succeeded and so many people that know how to help businesses that are failing. But a lot of times we don't reach out for help. So I think that's a big one. I think another one is that a lot of times people, and I was one of these people, think that the business is going to make them happy. And often a business has to fail as a wake-up call. You know, some people need a big failure to maybe finally look at how they're outsourcing their happiness, how they're outsourcing their worth, how they're outsourcing their sense of safety and security. And sometimes it is in failing or losing something or losing everything that we finally shift and start to look at, all right, like, hmm, like, what do I need to look at inside of me? And then the the other thing, and I, I could go on and on, but I'll say one more thing, is poor communication. I think that a lot of us really um, don't take responsibility for having clean and clear communication. People-pleasing is a great example. If you're a people-pleaser, then you don't have really clear, clean communication because you're always filtering yourself. Mm. You're, 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 what you think and what you say is always filtered by how is this other person going to perceive it and how can I say this in a way that's not going to upset anyone. Now, I'm not saying just be a jerk and have no filter, but when we speak with truth and love and we're honest, then we have clear communication. This comes back to expectations too. I think that's businesses fail because people have too many expectations and not agreements. When you have expectations of people, you're expecting them to be mind readers. You're expecting them to communicate like you, how you do. You're expecting them to always be listening. When you create agreements with people, you're perception checking. You're making sure message sent is message received. And you're creating clear, clear agreements with people rather than expectations. Mm, another etheric slap. Thank you. I'm one of those. Every time I write an email or a text, I'm reading it to make sure how the other person would be respond, yeah. how how they would interpret that message. Always. Oh, imagine how much time and energy you'll get back if you stop doing that. I know. It's just about <laughs> – and I'm, I'm a big believer about standing in your truth. I always say that standing in your truth is so much more powerful than not standing in your truth. And I'm always standing in my truth. I think it's more so that I am conscious about – I think it's just also the very fast-paced environment that we live in. And it's interesting that I even do it myself that sometimes I might read an email or a text and I go, oh, depending on my state of mind at that time too, I may interpret that message completely different to what the person wanted to, yep. um, you know, convey to me. And yep. I'm sure we all do that. Oh, yes. Mm. We do. So, Christine, I, I'm sure our listeners are also curious just about the spiritual psychology side of things that emphasis on consciousness. So maybe talk us through a little bit about the spiritual psychology because I don't know that we've had anyone on the show with spiritual mm -hmm. psychology. 
oh well it's a unique place they they only offer at the university of santa monica and they offer the, the they don't offer a master's degree anymore but they offer the program online um but it's basically putting the soul back into psychology so instead of looking at labels and diagnoses we study psychology, so we basically understand, you know, how the human mind and the psyche works. But we look at it from a spiritual perspective in that, like, we also have a soul. And we kind of choose our life curriculum based on what we want to learn. And every soul is, like, at its form, is full of love and compassion and consciousness and is one and is connected. And every soul and every body has the wisdom it needs to heal and the inner resource it, is it needs to heal. So it's really approaching psychology not from a what's wrong with you, but more from a what happened to you, what can you learn from it, and how can you heal so that you really can step into the truth of who you are. Mm, I love that. I love putting this soul back into psychology. How do we identify, because I know this is a, another thing that we've discussed a couple of times on the show in regards to the soul and the ego, how do we know the voice of either the soul or the ego? Well, the voice of the soul and the ego feel different. <laughs> so the voice of the soul feels like, um, it feels like truth. So truth, when you, when we feel truth, it just settles into our body. It feels like a breath. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that feels, it doesn't feel like a high, doesn't feel like a low. It may feel like a slight relief, but it just feels like ease. That's the soul. The ego feels like constriction. The ego or the, or the ego feels like pressure. The ego can also feel like extreme attachment to excitement. Like the ego can also go into arrogance. Like, oh my God, like I'm the coolest or like I just nailed that or whatever. The soul would say something like, oh, that felt good. The ego would be like, ah, I nailed that. That was awesome. Or, oh, I did a terrible job of that. That was, that was a, uh. versus the soul would be like, oh, that was nice. <laughs> So it's like a different, it's a different feel and it's a different expression. And the soul is neutral. The soul never judges. This is why getting kind of spiritual altitude on every situation and not looking at things as good, bad, right, or wrong. The ego judges. The soul doesn't. The soul sees everything as neutral. Mm, I love that. Absolutely. And I think when you describe it from a feeling point of view, I think most of our listeners will be able to resonate with that. Absolutely. So, Christine, what advice would you give your younger self if you went back in time? Uh, I would just, I mean, it kind of comes back to what I said earlier about the inner critic. I would just tell her to be gentler on herself and to not be in such a rush to really just enjoy where she is right now. Hmm. Being present, love that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that we do as we wrap up the show, we love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you, Christine? Compassion. Of course, compassion. And the other thing that we do is wrap up with what are three golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today, Christine? Three golden nuggets. Well, the first thing I would love to say is every human on some level 
is here to shift out of a limiting belief that goes along the lines of, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not loving, I'm broken, something's wrong with me. So if you ever deal with like not enoughness, feeling like you don't belong, feeling like you're not lovable, like something's fundamentally flawed with you, congratulations, you're human. You're not alone. You don't have to suffer in silence. It's very normal that we all feel that way. And we are living in a time where we're waking up to the fact that that's not true. And there are so many resources like this podcast you're listening to that will help you update that belief and realize that the truth of who you are is you are love, you are enough, you are not broken, you are worthy, and you are whole. So that would be number one. Number two would be to remember you're a co-creator. So if there's things in your life that you don't like, you do have the power to change. Even if you can't change externally what's happening, you can change internally how you're responding. So spiritual definition of a miracle is a change in perception. So if you can't change something externally that you don't have control over, you can change it by being a miracle maker and changing the way you're seeing it. Um, And I think the third thing that I would say is enjoy the process way more than the result. Whenever we're chasing a goal, and Danielle Laporte talks a lot about this, we're not really chasing the goal or the result. We're chasing how we think it will make us feel. And just know that you can generate any feeling that you want at any time. Like right now, if you're feeling stressed or angry or upset, like you could just actually generate the feeling of gratitude. You could think about how lucky you are to have a phone or a computer that you're listening to this podcast on when so many people don't. You could feel gratitude for your best friend or your dog or nature. Like if you could just slip into gratitude right now, you'll instantly feel different. And so just know that at any moment, despite what's going on, you can generate that feeling. So instead of being so focused and so attached to those goals that you think are going to change your life, know that you can change your life right now in this moment by changing what you're focusing on, and that will change how you're feeling. Oh, I love all three of them. I bet you our listeners are very curious about how do they shift out of their limiting belief and update a limiting belief. So first you have to identify what the limiting belief is, correct? Yeah. And the thing with limiting beliefs, the best way to update them is to not do a pendulum swing, to not go from, um, you know, I'm the most unattractive person in the world to I am just beautiful and magnificent. <laughs> so shifting to like something that's, that feels a little better, like shifting into, you know what? I really like myself today. Just that little shift or I'm doing the best I can. You know, for those of you that are super hard on yourself, going to, you know, I'm amazing, I'm the best in the world, that's a big pendulum swing. But if you can shift from I'm not enough or I did that poorly or I suck or whatever it may be to I did the best I could, put one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly, take a breath. Because with shifting beliefs, we want to shift it in our mind and we want to shift it in our biology. And rewiring the brain is is actually like a physical, neurological thing. So if we can slow things down, state the new belief, do something in our body. I like to put one hand on my heart, one hand on my belly, and take a deep breath and state the new belief and put a positive feeling with that new belief. 
like a feeling of love or gratitude, or for me, the most often one I use is a feeling of compassion, then that helps to anchor that belief in our neurology because it's anchoring it in our biology. Mm, and that's very powerful anchoring. It reminds me of I did a couple of exercises in uh, NLP and we did a couple mm-hmm. of the anchoring exercises which were really amazing because you could just go back and tap into that area and actually feel the energy or the emotion or the feelings just expand. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. Exactly. So, Christine, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Oh, so they can go to christinehassler.com and get my free coaching assessment there if they opt in. And then I'm on Instagram. I have a podcast called Over It and On With It where I coach people live on the air. So you can listen to me work with people on all of the stuff that we talked about on this show on the podcast. That is fantastic. And I highly recommend to our listeners to check out her website. Absolutely beautiful. Christine, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, sharing your wealth of wisdom with us and your time and energy. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself. <music>